Welcome back, listeners, to another episode of the Marist Minute. I'm Daniel Lai for Notre Dame Preparatory School and Marist Academy, and we are happy to bring back Father Jim Straws. Welcome back, Father Straws. So last time we talked about a little history of Father Colin and the, and the Marist beginnings, and we're going to continue on the theme by talking a little bit more on his idea of like the Marist brothers, the sisters, the missionary sisters, the Society of Mary and the Marist laity, which he kindly called like it was a tree with several branches. So I'll let you kind of take it away. Well, Dan, I'm not sure it was his idea <laughs> to start with. Um, it was a symbol that was used by the early Marist. Uh, and where it came from, I have no idea whatsoever. And that way I, I just protected myself from anybody who might hear this throughout the world coming back at me who are Marist and saying, well, it came from here and here and here. I couldn't find where where exactly. Uh, Father Colan does mention it a couple of times. And when he does mention it, like you said in your introduction, it always has to do with the other groups that were known as Marists. Or the last time we had uh, a podcast, I had basically said the Marists were an ecclesial movement in the Catholic Church. And that really meant to cover that there's more than just the Marist fathers and brothers, that there are several groups uh, by the name of Marist. The earliest mention of this tree, uh, and I'm going to have to go to Father Colan, is um, uh, what he says is, Let us bless God. The society is a little tree which has grown in the shadows in a little field of the Blessed Virgin. As the rule says, an angelum. It will become tall in time. That will come. Take courage, messieurs. Uh, The slowness with which the shrub has sprung from the earth has been a great trial and many storms have assailed it. The society has met a hundred obstacles which brought it to the brink of ruin. Then he corrected himself to bring it to the brink of ruin. But God made it triumph over everything. He said this like in 1842 at a time when they're lobbing off branches of the tree because Rome couldn't accept the fact of this ecclesial movement under one group that would be known as Marists and that the superior general of the fathers and brothers would be in charge of the teaching brothers would be in charge of the sisters. From what I can understand, the tree itself originally had three branches. It was the fathers and brothers, the sisters, and the laity, the Marist laity. And uh, at the very beginning, when they were talking about uh, what it means to be Marist, that's basically what they were talking about was uh, these three groups of people who would take the name of Mary at her at her call and, you know, would live her life 
and be this presence in the her presence in the world would be really her body in the world today and so that's generally the tree uh, father Craig Larkin uh, who is a, an absolutely wonderful marist from New Zealand and a, pol- a prolific writer you know if we, if we ever had somebody who wrote constantly about the society uh, one of the men would be father uh, Craig Larkin he died a couple of years ago um, he says that the original idea of the Marist project was never to see the light of day and that was because for him the original project was these three branches and that they would be working in tandem with each other to carry out the work of Mary uh, to do these these things that needed to be done and I guess in order for us to really understand that we have to go back and look at the people that were involved in this at the beginning like I said last week the idea the original idea for the Society of Mary came from a man by the name of Jean-Claude Corvey. Uh, he was born in 1787. Um, he, in 1809, he has this revelation. It wasn't an exterior, an interior revelation that Mary wanted something at the Shrine of Le Puy. Um, and then he goes on to the seminary where he meets uh, Champagnat, Colin, uh, uh Terrayon, um, and Decla and, and others, and formulates the idea. His idea of the Society of Mary is this three-branch group, but he saw the fathers and brothers more like Trappists. And um, as he fell away from the, the idea of the Marists, other ideas come up. And, and were already percolating in people's minds. Um, Colan, of course, is who the Maris fathers and brothers claim as their founder because he's really the one who establishes, adds order, uh, writes the rule of the society, takes it through to get its approval by the Vatican. Uh, and he, you know, he was born in 1790 and he dies in 1875. Um, and his idea is, original idea is, there are these three branches and that these three branches work in tandem with one another. And really, he's the one who uh, not only organizes the fathers and brothers, but he also organizes the sisters with a woman by the name of Jeanne-Marie Chevron. And we'll get, come back to her in a, in a second. But he also had the idea that there would be this group of lay people and that they would be a third order. And the third order would, um, they would basically be people who live in the world and who in a variety of different ways would live the Maris spirit. I think in his own mind, at least from what I've read uh, about Colan and, and the third order, he originally thought of it as really something that would take place in a parish mm. that you know the parish priest would somehow have an association with the Maris. He would be a diocesan. He wouldn't be a Maris priest, but he would be a diocesan priest. But he would want to live out the Maris spirit and he would introduce it in his parish 
and make it go from there, and, and you'd have lay people. Now, Colan originally was a diocesan priest, and he and his brother in a little town uh, in France where they were, Cerdon, uh, they, the two of them, when they got there, they were like dynamite. Um, Colin actually had this this great transformation during his first couple of years inside this parish, where he totally comes out of himself from being this very shy man to being, you know, much more of a, uh, somebody who's vocal and things. And he and his brother would gather in the rectory. Uh, a number of lay people, laymen, and they would, you know, talk about a spirituality amongst them. And these laymen, you know, in turn, would then go out and act on that spirituality. So I think in Colan's mind, uh, he always said that, you know, his his view of of um, the third order was to be much different from a normal third order and things. And uh, unfortunately, his his vision was never realized. Um, he got caught up in the fathers and the brothers and the sisters, and uh, he handed it off the third order to a man by the name of Peter Julian Amard. And uh, Amard was a Marist for a number of years, and then received a calling from God to found a, a different religious congregation called the Society of the Blessed Sacrament. Mm. And um, uh, St. Peter, he's, he's since been canonized. And St. Peter uh, Julian Amard, um, however, during his time with Amaris, one of the things that he did was he wrote a rule for the Third Order. The other thing about a Third Order is the Maris, properly speaking, <laughs> are not a religious order. We're not like the Benedictines. We're not like we're not monks. We're not like the Franciscans. Mm. Uh, you know, we're probably most like, if we were to have a you know a comparison, we, we would be like the Jesuits. But we're a congregation, an a- apostolic congregation. In those traditional religious orders, you have a first order, which are priests and brothers a second order, which are nuns, usually enclosed. In other words, they live in a cloister, don't come out. And then you have a third order, which is a group of lay people which associate themselves with that order. And, you know, they're they're part of that order, but they're laity. They don't live in the first or second order. They, they're this third order that live the spirituality of the group. In the original thought, I think that's what they were thinking, mm. was that there would be, you know, there's this first order of priests and brothers, the second of um, of nuns, and then the third of of, uh, um, of lay people. Marceline Champagnat um, throws a, sort of a kink in this whole thing, mm. because as they're planning and things, he keeps saying, we need a group of brothers uh, to somehow teach the young young people, especially in rural places, and they were they sort of said to him, "Okay, you know, you go off and you do this." Well, 
<laughs> he did it, and it was very successful. <laughs> uh, by 1842 or 1843, Colan is in Rome, and he's talking about the brothers. Marcelin has uh, died rather young of cancer, and uh, Colan is telling um, this cardinal, he's, you know, they have over 100 novices mm. as brothers. Well, I think in the world today, I think the Marist teaching brothers are like at 3,000. At one point, there were 10,000 wow. in the world. I mean, they were they were a huge group and things. But in Colan's mind, uh, I don't think he necessarily understood what a group of teaching brothers were. And he didn't quite know where to put them in the tree. You know, they were all supposed to be united coming out of the same, you know, um, out of the same roots and things. But where do you where do you put this branch at, you know, type right. of thing? So they were, um, they oftentimes got associated with the fathers, but they were very different from the fathers in so many ways. Now, I mentioned Jeanne-Marie Chavoin. She was a remarkable woman. Um, she lived from 18, uh, 1786 to 1858. And um, she, as she was in her 20s, had decided she wanted to be a religious or a, a sister, but couldn't find a congregation that satisfied what she was looking for. And so she basically... Uh, uh, Pierre Collin, the brother of Jean-Claude Collin, um, had invited her to come to Cerdogne uh, to become the housekeeper. And she and another young woman by the name of Marie, uh, I think it's Jean Tillion, uh, go to Cerdogne, and they're the ones that found the Maris sisters. Oh, wow. Okay. And Chevois um, actually becomes a very close confidant of the Collin brothers. Uh, and at one point, uh, for whatever reason, I can't, I don't know what it was, uh, she had to bring her two nephews uh, to uh, Cerdon. And they're living, the kids are living in the rectory. She's raising them. The Colan brothers are helping to raise these kids. Uh, the two brothers remain close to the Colans throughout their lives. Oh, wow. And things. Um, but she also has this, you know, she would call it like it was. Mm. And she would tell the uh, tell the two fathers, you know, especially as they're planning the Society of Mary, and they'd get down, don't do that. <laughs> You're going to make the Holy Spirit angry, you know, oh, right. type of thing. And yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she gave it to him, and, you know, she was that way. Well, as it turns out, she also worked in the village with the women, and this really became the basis of how she saw the Maris sisters working. Hmm. She thought that the Maris sisters should be out there. They should be apostolic. They should be, you know, in the community doing things. Colan, on the other hand, that idea of the second order, hmm. you know, that they would be semi-enclosed. They would be semi-contemplatives praying for the fathers and brothers and, you know, doing a few apostolic works, but basically staying in their convent. Wow. Well, you know, by the 1840s, the two of them are butting heads for a variety of reasons. Um, 
in the 1830s, Collin takes this idea to Rome, and there's a cardinal there by the name of Castracani, and <laughs> Collin says, you know, we got this idea of a religious congregation There'd be one superior general, would be a priest, but he would be superior general of the fathers and brothers, the sisters, the mission, uh, the uh, teaching brothers, and the laity. <laughs> and Krasnikov called it the four-headed monster. Oh, yeah. He's, he said, you know, this isn't going to fly. And he actually writes, and he says, you know, Krasnikov uh, actually writes and says. Um, this just isn't going to be a good thing. We can't do this. Mm. And so, um, strangely enough, his report should have been that uh, the society should have just gone limp there, but somehow uh, it never gets across. And two years later, they approve the fathers and the brothers as missionaries. And that's because yeah, we were a mission congregation to start with. Um, and they approved at the same time, they gave blessings to the third order. Oh, wow. Okay. Uh, but they did not approve the sisters or the teaching brothers. They would go on later on to get separate approval from Rome mm. one in the 1850s the brothers and I think the sisters were like in the 1880s so what happens is oh, after all of that the tree becomes a symbol of Mara spirituality mm. now we have other branches now coming out of the tree um, the sisters uh, the missionary sisters were originally lay women who went to the missions of Oceania in uh, starting around 1848, I think it was, the first one went. And they were lay women who um, originally lived there, but uh, once they got there, they were, they were sort of like sisters, religious sisters, they put on a religious habit. They took a religious name uh, and things. And they would work with the women in the villages mm. of, of these places. And uh, eventually they develop into what are called the third order regular of the Society of Mary. And then finally approved as the missionary sisters of the Society of Mary. Uh, and some really fascinating Ladies in their history. I mean, uh, there's one that was a, um, a biologist, and she finds a cure for a certain type of leprosy. And uh, you know, uh, another another point was there was I think it may be the same sister. The sisters in the missions were falling over uh, with illness. And she went back and she said, it's the hem on their habits. Oh. <laughs> and, uh, you know, because they wore these really long religious habits and very heavy religious habits at that. And <laughs> she, <laughs> she basically said, well, you know, the habit is making people sick. Wow. Things. But they're, they're a really interesting group of, of missionary sisters. Um, they, both groups of sisters, um, 
my experience with them has been they never stand on pretense. Mm. They're just very down to earth and and things. So, uh, and here in the United States, for example, most of the Maris sisters, um, the ones that were uh, from Jean Marie Chavouin, um, came to the United States from Ireland. And so they came to the United States and also to Canada, to French-speaking Canada. And so if you go up to French-speaking Canada and you meet some of these sisters who speak English, they speak it with an Irish brogue. Oh, wow. (laughs) (laughs) But they're very, very, very down to earth. So that's the tree with many branches. Yeah. You know, and then there are other groups that the missionary sisters, for example, I think they founded four groups of sisters in the missions uh, that work in local mission areas and things. And um, so that's, you know, four more branches shooting off of a branch type of thing. Uh, Julian Amard uh, and the Blessed Sacrament fathers um, and sisters, uh, there are certain parts of their spirituality which sound an awful lot like the Marist, because, of course, he had been a Marist. Right. And so, you know, there's another branch. Yeah. Um, there's a, a Marist, uh, his name was Felix Rouget. He founded the Missionaries of the Holy Spirit in Mexico, and part of their spirituality has a ring of Marist to it as well. So, you know... Um, we look at that and sometimes we say, well, they're twigs or, you know, they're that had come off of our tree and onto another. Or, you know, maybe they were an acorn that fell off and <laughs> they grew up in their own right and things. Wow. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's definitely a big labyrinth of, of uh, for lack of a better term, you know, a tree, you know. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And, but, you know, it's... Uh, the modern conception of it is very different, I think, from, from what, the original, yeah. what the original was. Well, Father Straw, is always a pleasure. Um, we look forward to continuing this series over the next several months, and we will talk to you then. All right. Thank you, Dan.